It's uh, good to see you all, and uh, you might be, if you've been around for the last couple of weeks, uh, familiar with the series we're in, Asking for a Friend, and uh, thinking uh, of that is uh, somebody who's uh, wondering, they're asking like, well, are we just lonely and we're asking for a friend? Like, no, the point of that is we're asking on behalf of a friend uh, some of the questions that maybe are in our uh, world with those that are having uh, struggles just with their, their faith and trying to wrestle through whether or not the claims of Christ are something to be trusted. And uh, you might remember I sent an email out at the beginning of the series, just giving you kind of a heads up of what some of the topics would be. And on that email, it had listed on this, on this particular date, it had TBD, to be determined, because I hadn't quite landed on or decided what would be an appropriate topic for this, this current week. And as I kept wrestling through it and different people gave me different suggestions and ideas, as I kept wrestling through it, the, the one that I kept on coming back to, probably I've heard more than any other question about faith in general and the culture around us is this question. You see it on the top of your notes. Aren't Christians just a bunch of hypocrites? Aren't Christians just a bunch of hypocrites? And before we get too defensive or that, that when you hear that, you start to be like, you start to, in your mind, make a case for why we're not. Before we get too defensive, can't we at least see why that would be a conclusion that our culture could come to? You watch the evening news, it's peppered with story after story of different religious leaders that have dropped the ball majorly in a number of different arenas of poor choices, whether it's sexual immorality, it's a misuse of finances, abuse of power, whichever it is, uh, you could see why someone might come to that conclusion just based on leadership within the church. But don't worry, it's not just us that's in the spotlight. You're also on the world stage, whether it's at our response as everyday Christ followers in politics or in different arenas. There are some things that you could say didn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily represent the heart of Christ or people really have a hard time because they look at the Christ follower, they look at the actions or behavior and they say, wait a second, if that's what it means to follow Christ, I'm not quite sure I want to. It's really a heartbreaking topic, to be honest with you. And so I want to just start our morning with a word of prayer as we roll into this somewhat sensitive of topics. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning and just want to learn and grow in this area. And our heart and our desire is to be shaped and molded in your likeness, that we wouldn't be the one that the world describes as inconsistent. God, we just ask that you'd teach us this morning. You'd be present and active in this room. And uh, God, we give you all the glory for that, even in advance. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So topic, uh, you might notice if you pull out your notes, uh, typically a sermon has three or four big ideas. That's like very Baptist, you know, to have uh, just a, a few big, big ideas. Take a look at your notes. How many points do I have there this week? 10, 10 points that we're going to work through. I decided just to mix it up. And uh, this, it actually made me think of that with this meme, legal use of cell phones during sermon sermon will go an extra 15 uh, minutes. And so uh, you're, this is all payback for any time that I've seen you on your phones. I'm just teasing. Uh, but the hope is in this topic uh, that I, as I kept on walking, working through it, I was just like, ah, we got to talk about that. We, we got to talk about that too. We got to talk about that. And so I'm going to try to briefly work through. I don't plan 
uh, to keep, keep you 15 minutes extra, but you can pray that uh, we're able to stay on pace uh, with some of these thoughts. The first thing, just starting with understanding what is hypocrisy. When, when someone makes that claim or that statement about the Christ follower, what are they actually saying? It comes from the word hypocrisy or hypocrite comes from the Greek word uh, hypocrites, which were actors or stage players back in the day. Basically, the way that they would perform, uh, Chris would be understand this, is they'd wear different masks, you see there in that picture, uh, that would represent different characters in a particular play or performance. And so one actor could play like five different roles based on the mask that he was wearing as he was on stage. And sometimes they'd even have a one-act shows where one person would perform a play of different roles. That's where the word originates. The Webster definition of it is a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion. He also says a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. He understands the concept of this, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, is that action should be demonstrated in, in, or your, your faith should be demonstrated in your actions. We talked about kind of that a few weeks ago when we were talking about pain is this idea of, of uh, product demonstration, right? Where we're the, when you're going through a difficult pain or a stretch where you can be a, a demonstration of the, uh, the difference of a life lived in Christ and how that sets us apart, but also on the negative side of that, you can also be a lousy product demonstration, I uh, don't know if you're following this, and this will be my last car illustration for a while, but anybody follow this when the Cybertruck was first introduced and uh, the Elon Musk was all excited about presenting the different, the different aspects of this brand new truck. If you're not a, a car person, this was a, a new truck they were introducing, very interested looking. One of the, the claims about the, about the truck they were able to say is that it had shatterproof glass. They thought they would demonstrate that on the world stage in front of everyone. So they had these metal balls that they were throwing at the window to show that it was shatterproof glass. What do you see in that picture? One, I see a panicked Elon Musk. Two, you see, you see uh, some windows that didn't quite meet the hype. The Tesla stock the next day was down 6%. I forget how many millions Elon Musk. Now, since it's bounced back, if you follow stock, it's done all right. But here, here's the way that it works is similar is when we claim something to demonstrate something and then it's like, wait a second, that doesn't work the way it's supposed to. The world has a hard time watching that for us being a product demonstration of Christ. Somebody says, wait a second, that, that's not consistent. And when you think of the word hypocrite, a lot of times it's more than not just meeting the expectations of what you claim. It's often doing the exact opposite of what you claim. You claim one thing and then it's not that you just don't do it. Then you do the exact opposite. You think of the picture of the, the parent that's maybe got a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and is, is scolding his child to never drink or smoke. You know what I mean? That's the, the picture or the ultimate picture of a hypocrite. There's an inconsistency between the two. They use words, titles or descriptions. Do as I say, not what I do. And that's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. 
They're like, I can't get behind that. That's the hypocrisy that the world is confronting or addressing within the body of Christ. Along that topic, it's important, and this is where it gets a little bit complicated and hard to understand this, or it's the tricky part, is that a Christ follower is, an, and you see this in the next title, Mid-Transformation, a Christ follower is an extended process of transformation, right? That's a, uh, you don't, when you first embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not immediately. The next day, it's not like you've arrived, right? You're, you're in this process. And for some of us, it's a little bit longer than others, different stages. Can we get an amen there? We're different places. So that makes it hard for the watching world to try to make sense because they're like, they're not taking into account that this is an extended process of transformation. It doesn't happen overnight. But the truth is, a lot of us, if we're gonna talk about our own walks with the Lord, hey, I'm not where I necessarily wanna be, but I'm also not where I used to be. I'm not like the person I was a year ago. I'm definitely not like the person I was five years ago. And I said this before, and I don't even recognize the person 20 years ago. You know, like it's, it's, it's a transformation and sometimes it's slower than we would prefer, but it is a sanctification process. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us we're being, tra- we're being transformed into his image. Being is a process. I've heard it said, uh, not expecting hypocrites in church is like not expecting out of shape people at the gym. The same idea is true that there's a, a process. And for us, a lot of times the problem with this is a lot of times Christ followers understand this. And so they're hesitant to ever point anyone to truth because they're like, well, I don't want to come across as a hypocrite because I haven't finally gotten to a place in that particular area where I feel confident to point others there. But if we all waited to point people to truth, that'd be, it's a long way. You'd never get a chance to speak up because who's actually qualified? That's the whole idea. And so for us, that's part of the conversation. Another part of the conversation is this next one is that mixed in with followers, you also have imposters. You also have imposters, people that claim to follow Christ, but when you really dig in and you get to know the person, you're like, yeah, they, you can't ever point to a time where they humbled themselves and bent a knee and embraced Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're mixed in the church. Jesus, in a lot of different, in a lot of different uh, parables, he talked about this concept of false conversions, where a person claims to have made a decision, or they claim that, but there's never any kind of a, a change demonstrated in their life. He actually refers to them as, as, as wolves in sheep's clothing, right? So this is where the world around watching has a hard time deciphering and identifying who's genuinely a believer and who's not because they're mixed in even within the church, within the body of Christ. So that's an important part of the topic as well when you're considering hypocrisy, right? Well, is somebody even uh, representing Christ that's actually a, a Christ follower? Another piece that I think is a part of this conversation, a problem in our witness, is the assumption that all sin 
is hypocrisy. The outside world sees a Christian and says, see, they're a hypocrite because they're sinning, because they're sinning. But remember our definition of hypocrite is doing something that's opposite of what you claim. If a Christ follower is claiming to be without sin and then they sin, you would say they're being a hypocrite. But if you think about it, for a Christ follower to come into the church, the very first things that they have to do is acknowledge what? I'm a sinner. I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm broken. I, I need Jesus. This is a clinic. This is a hospital. This is when somebody finally is willing to acknowledge their need for rescue. So for a person that, that, that's watching from the outside, it's a false conclusion when they say that sin equals, that, that sin is the same as hypocrisy. Sometimes it is. So if I were to, to, to say that, uh, pick, a, pick a name, uh, if I were to say Chris, because that Chris is a, since Chris is a sinner and everybody knows he is, uh, that he's a, he's a hypocrite. Like uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's a different conclusion. Now, if Chris says, hey, don't do this because I never do, then you're just like, oh, you see there's a, and he starts to do it. Then you're like, well, that, that qualifies as hypocrite. So let's be, let's be clear on what a hypocrite actually is. Sometimes it's a misdiagnosis. So when the world says that the church is full of hypocrites, Sometimes accurate, sometimes probably, uh, but is, is, the, is the church full of sinners? Absolutely, absolutely. So let's make sure that our diagnosis is accurate. But if I'm bringing this up, we also have to get to the next one because I actually think that the statement that the church is full of hypocrites is actually true, right? Is it, if we're really gonna be honest with ourselves, if we're going to be transparent and authentic, like the truth is all of us have some degree of hypocrisy in our life. It's maybe hard for us to admit that, but if you're really honest and reflect on your, your own world, your own life, I was thinking about that this week. I was, uh, came uh, across to my kids and one of them was getting irritated with their, uh, their, their sibling. And I was like, stop getting so easily irritated. And then I realized I was getting easily irritated. I'm like, wait a second. Like there's, there's hypocrisy in our, our own life and our own interactions. Any parents with me on this one, right? Okay, uh, they're glad we're in church getting real for a moment. But here's, here's the idea. When someone says the church is full of hypocrites, you can say, you're right, but good news. You're, you're invited too. You know what I mean? Like the, the, if you find a church, that doesn't have a hypocrite in it, don't join it because you're gonna wreck it. You're gonna throw off the statistics. The idea that we all have some degree of hypocrisy, there's no claim of being without sin within the body of Christ. So for us to try to point people back to it. But on the flip side of that, you also don't wanna disregard the good either. You also don't want to disregard the good. Sometimes people can just kind of camp on like, well, see the inconsistency. And you're like, yeah, but also there's a lot of things that have been done in the name of Christ that are noble. 
We've had a a lot of impact. I think of even our our church. One of the things I've really enjoyed is us getting opportunities to partner with Compassion International and ministering and building churches overseas. And then also two years ago, we had the, the kids that were attached to the church that were, uh, were, were building in Ecuador uh, that we supported. And some of you, I imagine even in this room, have different kids that you monthly support, kind of their financial needs. And on this last trip to Bolivia, I got to spend time uh, with uh, this group of uh, graduate uh, compassion kids. In other words, kids that had gone all the way through the program, and now I got to spend time with them. And this one, and they're just kind of starting to enter into different universities. One's going to be a lawyer. One's going to be a doctor. One's going into ministry. Another one's there. And I'm just like, man, this came, this started from the faithfulness of people that, that have said, hey, I'm taking my faith seriously to, to, to minister and care for the poor, and I'm gonna be consistently writing a check to help this kid and transform their life. And it does, it changes lives. I think about even in this church, a lot of us, if you brought up, is there some good? Is there some representation of Jesus that's the way it's supposed to be? I think we could do an open mic up here and everyone could share how a fellow believer has come alongside, has blessed them. I know Adrian and I could share story after story, so don't disregard all of the good. Maybe sometimes in that conversation, yeah, there's there's some hypocrisy, but there's also some stories of redemption, of change. People that you're like, ooh, but you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't, couldn't imagine where this person was and what they've become the transformation that's been seen in their life. That's an important part of the conversation as well. Next one, as we're cruising down this list, Jesus is not a hypocrite. I, uh, one of the harder things in the last couple of years, you've heard me mention it a, a few times. So when you have uh, a season of your life that was very shaping and forming, one of those seasons in my life was the time working at a Willow Creek Community Church where I met my wife, worked there for five years uh, back in Chicago. So it was fairly devastating uh, this, uh, in the last two years to hear reports of, uh, of the lead pastor's infidelity and uh, just poor choices. And you hear stories of that. And I, I've been interacting with folks that I'm friends with back in Chicago and just keeping in touch of how that's going and how that's playing out. And uh, one of uh, my friends was saying, yeah, it's just really such a, such a bummer because it really is damaging to the gospel message. And I, I heard him say that and I was just like, I was just stewing on and thinking on that for days afterwards. And I was like, is it though? Is it damaging to the gospel message? Which gospel is it that we're preaching? If it's a gospel that has a tendency to elevate people to an inappropriate level, then yes, it's damaging to that gospel. If it's a gospel that points back to Jesus Christ and that everybody needs a rescue, that there's one hero in the story. If it's that gospel, then it has zero impact on it. Even Bill Hybels needs Jesus Christ. And for us in that conversation, so to, to think through that as you're interacting with somebody that's talking about the hypocrisy in the church, the reminder is to point people back to Jesus because he wasn't, he isn't a hypocrite. 
Christianity does not stand or fall on the way Christians have acted through history or are acting today. It stands on the person of Jesus Christ. And he was perfect in this area. He was perfect. All the things he claimed, he lived out. He, he lived out ideally. When, when he talked about uh, caring for the poor, he fed the hungry, he healed the sick, he confronted injustice, he sacrificed greatly and loved deeply. That's the Messiah. We're not pointing people to follow Christians. We're pointing people to follow Jesus. So it allows the excuse when someone gives up on Christianity just because of the imperfect followers. Now, we've all heard stories of a, a doctor or, or, or somebody in the medical field doing some crazy things. Anybody heard of malpractice cases, uh, different issues in the medical field? Now, when you're going into a medical emergency, does that mean just based on some inconsistency across that platform that you're like, I'm not going to see a doctor? No, when your life is on the line, you have to weed through that and you have to come to some conclusions. Well, not all doctors are miserable. Not all doctors are, are, uh, are, can't be trusted. And for similarly, it's a poor idea for us to quit on Christ because sometimes he's not represented accurately. Do you guys remember when, uh, when uh, Chipotle had the mention of the, some of the E. coli that was uh, being found? I think it was in their tomatoes. This was a very difficult time for me as a pastor. Uh, I, I enjoy me some Chipotle. Uh, if I'm gonna, there's something about going through that line that I almost feel like I'm about to eat a healthy meal. Anybody like this? You're kind of like, hey, I see green and red and vegetables and me. Like this has to be good for me. And, and, and so when I went through that, there's a little bit of a pause on eating at Chipotle. I'll be honest, like probably, a, yeah, no, like a week. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, but, but do you, have I quit on burritos? Like, have I quit on the, uh, the bowls there? Like, of course not. Like I'm right back in line because you understand you have to weed through things and you have to assess similarly. I don't know, that's a loose connection. You get the idea though. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, follow the church. He doesn't say, follow people, but he says, follow me, Matthew 9, 9, Mark 8, 34, John 12, 26. We're offering Christ to people, not Christians. Continuing on the adventure of 10, ta 10 uh, big ideas that Jesus confronted hypocrisy. A couple weeks ago, uh, one of my uh, kids got into a little bit of uh, trouble here uh, with uh, her behavior uh, at, uh, at church. And, uh, and it was interesting because uh, I saw things playing out and I went and addressed uh, my older daughter and, uh, and, and uh, uh, addressed her. And, and afterwards, somebody came up to me and was like, whoa, that was cool to see Papa Bear come out for a minute. I'm like, oh, you should have heard it in the car. And uh <laughs> And, uh, and so, um, and so uh, I was thinking about that. I was like this Papa Bear idea. And I was like, you know, when you look at the life of Jesus in his interactions, if there was anything that brought the Papa Bear out of Jesus, 17 times he confronts hypocrisy in the New Testament, 17 different times. This was a hot topic if there ever was one for Jesus Christ. So for us to get frustrated with hypocrisy, for the world to get frustrated, imagine how that must be amplified for God. 
Imagine for Jesus, when, when, when someone's claiming to do something in his name, when someone's claiming to do something in his name, and then it's not at all like him, you're like, oh man, that would be heartbreaking. Dave, I'm going to pick on you for a second. Dave, imagine if somebody said they were a Dave follower, let's personalize this, and they start going around and they are doing very un-Dave-like things, like very inconsistent with Dave. Like how, how annoying would that be for you? You're like, you need to stop using my name. Stop it, stop it, stop it. That's the same idea with Jesus, with hypocrisy. That's why he confronted it head on consistently. And it was most often demonstrated with the religious of that time. He wanted to make sure that nobody thought too highly of themselves because so often that's where hypocrisy sneaks in. When you start to think of yourself as elevated, as having your stuff together while the rest of the world has all these things to work out, right? Jesus, when he talked about it in Matthew 7, 3, says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Rather than getting defensive about hypocrisy, I would love, and this is me in this camp with all of us, I would love for us to be more open, God, Show me the hypocrisy in my life. What if that was a prayer that you introduced as a, a part of your routine? What if you started asking that? Lord, Lord, show me when this, because here's the problem, is as you see in Jesus' discussion there, so often we miss it. We miss it. We don't see it. And so for us to be open to that, for the Holy Spirit to bring to light when there are these inconsistencies, God, show this to me. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be pr proud and arrogant. Show, show, reveal these inconsistency. That's where the next idea of humility and authenticity is our best defense. It's dangerous when we start to think of ourselves as more righteous than someone else. Ooh, I see that sneaking into our political views real bad. I'll be honest with you. The, the, the whole thinking of, well, they are like this or, or the other side. And you know, it doesn't matter which side you're on. Oh man, they miss it so bad. And you're just like, wait a second. That's where pride and arrogance can sneak in, where Jesus calls us to humility. He, he, he supports the humble, but opposes he gives grace to the humble, but opposes the proud. For us, the starting point for us is to be authentic and be able to admit, man, I, there are inconsistencies. Matthew 23, 27, he confronts the Pharisees, says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. When we're pretending that we've reached a higher spiritual plateau than we actually have, this is where we get ourselves into trouble. That's where the church has problems. When we create this environment where you have to have it all together, the best defense is humility and authenticity to be able to say, you know what, man, I, 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 need, I need help in this area. 
Wouldn't that be wonderful in our interactions, whether it's Bible studies or life groups, if we'd be more transparent and just being like, this is an area I'd love to have your prayer in. Uh, this is a, this, I'm struggling this, man. I, I need your help to hold me accountable in this area. That's when God can work. That's when he can root out any type of hypocrisy in your life. And trust me, if you start to notice it, if you see it in your life, those around you have already noticed it. So it's not new information that we're sharing with others. I love that even Apostle Paul described himself. He says, I'm the, I'm the chief of sinners. We all have junk in our life. In fact, for a second, just to participation, tell the person next to you, I have junk in my life too. It's good for you. It's good to confess that. That's important for us. Some of us, it's hard to admit that, hard to say, but that's the reality. Here's the part though, the one warning with authenticity. Sometimes people use authenticity as an excuse to say, well, that's just the way that I am. I've always struggled with that, with no intention of being transformed. That's where there's some problem, is when we use it, authenticity is like, well, I, I've always admitted that I have that hot temper. And God's like, no, that's not an excuse for quitting on the pursuit of holiness. He still calls us to that. Regardless, you can, be, you can be authentic, but authenticity needs to be the starting point of transformation. Yeah, this is an area I struggle and I confess it and I wanna change. Lord, change me from the inside out. I think the best way to do that in the last one, we've made it through 10, keep on coming back to the cross. The best response when we see hypocrisy sneaking in is to rush back because our understanding of where our righteousness lies. Our righteousness, we have, we have no claim to our, our only righteousness is through our rescue. We've, he, he's only repositioned us with God. We're still spiritual novices. Let's, let's be real about this. The, the, the only righteousness that we have is through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. I saw this quote this uh, week on Facebook. I'm not sure the originator. I really like it a lot. Jesus doesn't have any sin of his own, just ours. And we don't have any righteousness of our own, just his. For us to give up trying to put on a show as if we have something that we don't, the coming back to the cross and acknowledging. And here's the thing, is when we're consistently coming back to the cross, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. I need your rescue. Daily, I need your rescue. It's a lot easier to point others to the cross too. When we keep coming back to it and finding it as our one uh, source of being able to stand, then all of a sudden when we're interacting with others, guess what we're going to point to? Not our behavior. I'm like, when someone's saying, you're, yeah, you're all hypocrites, you're like, I know we so need Jesus. We so need his rescue. This is my understanding of hypocrisy. Are Christians, are all Christians hypocrites? Yeah, probably. Are we following somebody that's not? Definitely. We want to point people to Jesus Christ. He's our one and only hope. Let me pray as we close. Lord Jesus, thanks for this chance to just chat about this topic. And really my heart in this series is for it to one, equip us for our interactions. We're supposed to be without excuse as we interact. We're supposed to be prepared to be able to have, uh, explain the hope that we have 
but also for us to work out some of this in our own mind, in our own understanding, and to be a, a catalyst for change. God, I think if, if we, if I, went into the week ahead with that as just on the forefront of my mind, God, expose my hypocrisy, I'm confident that would be something you'd be willing to work with. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. We're so dependent on you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Tell you what, the more you give thought to this topic and some of our just hidden and ugly hypocrisy and inconsistency, you start to realize, man, I am so grateful for Jesus, right? Aren't you so thankful that he took our sin, absorbed it on a cross? What an amazing thing that we have to sing and celebrate. I pray that's at the heart of going into our week ahead, that that's on our mind, that we just have on the lip of our tongues just a gratitude for what he's done for us. Amen. If there's something we can be praying for, we have a few volunteers up front. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a great rest of the Sunday.